Hey everybody, this is Rita Springer and welcome once again to the Rita Springer podcast. I'm uh, always grateful and excited that people join in on this and still want to hear from me. Sometimes I think my voice is a droning drone, but I love doing this. I love the people I interview and I'm so grateful that you've joined us for this particular podcast. One of my favorite people in the whole wide world, mainly because of your humility, Hannah, and your humor. (laughs) (laughs) I've got Hannah Hobbs and I'm actually talking to you. It is nighttime for me and morning for you because you're Sydney time, but it's, it's morning tomorrow. Yeah. For you. I'm in the future. You're in the future. Yep. And so I'm at the, at the end of my day, you're at the beginning. What time is it actually over there? 10 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. 1030. Oh my gosh. Your kids are already in school. Correct. You've already done the drop off. Yes. And what do you, what do you have? Um, you don't have kids until what? Two o'clock, three o'clock? Yeah. 2.30, which surprisingly goes very, very quickly. It seems like a long time, but it comes around quick. It does. Hannah Hobbs has been with Hillsong Church for how many years have you been with them? Like, I really don't even know your your history. Talk about your history. I, it's been about just the better part of 15 years. Wow. Yeah, so we um, are married, and my husband and I moved into the city in Sydney about 15, just under 15 years ago. So we've been part of the church right in the city central there that whole time. So now where were you before that? Were you born and raised in Sydney area, just outside the city? Yeah, born and raised in Sydney in like an area kind of south of the city. And my my whole upbringing was in this same kind of neighborhood. I went to church I, for the first time when I was 13 down in that area and got like radically saved at 13, grew up in a church there for about 10 years and then, you know, got married, moved to the, moved to the city. And so did you know about Hillsong prior to that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like here in Australia, especially back then, like there wasn't really anything like it, like in terms yeah. of like a church that was even like making and sharing worship music, like, you know, doing meetings of that size. The first time I went to a Hillsong service, I didn't, this sounds, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny, but I didn't know there were that many Christians. Wow. Because where we were from, it's like, it's, it's a smaller town. So I looked around and I was young, you know, like 13, 14, just visiting. But I was like, oh, I didn't know there were that many Christians. Turns out there's a lot more. Wow. Now, did you go to Hillsong school? I did for one year. Okay. Yeah. Is that how you got to Hillsong? Was you like, I'll just go to the school? No, I was like plant, like kind of planted and based in my local church. And I was like the youth worship pastor there. And so I just drove in midweek to do classes at the school. But then I was still part of my home church and kind of serving there on the weekends so it was more like a, a class thing and then still part of my, my church that I grew up in. And have you always been like musical and singing and writing music and stuff like that? When did that come in? Did that come in when you got saved? No, like I grew up playing like classical piano and doing grades. And then when I was about 10 years old, there was a guitar, a guitar teacher that lived across the road from us. And so we started seeing kids walk in to get lessons and I was like, oh, I want to try that. And then 
you know, soon into getting guitar lessons, I just kind of became obsessed with playing guitar and it became my primary instrument. And so like I grew up playing in a lot of bands, like that was my job throughout my whole teenage years, which is playing in cover bands and um, playing electric guitar and, and wow. playing in like jazz bands and that kind of thing. Like I always considered myself and probably in my mind still do consider myself to be a guitarist first. Wow. Yeah. So like electric guitar, not acoustic yeah. electric. No. But you love to play electric? Yeah, I love to play that. Yeah, that's probably where I'm most comfortable. But now I'm embarrassed to say I've kind of lost my chops a little bit. Like I can't do what I used to be able to do. And so I don't like thinking about it too much. I need to like start practicing again. Wow. So you get to, you end up getting to, to Sydney to go to the church. Yeah. 15 years ago, were you, were you, you, were, you haven't been married that long. We got um, married just like that year. Yeah. So we have. Wow, so you guys waited for a while to have children. Oh, yeah, like maybe eight, nine years. Yeah, that's crazy. So wait, tell me, I don't know this about you. Tell me that experience. When you move from outside the city to, what are you moving for? Are you expecting, do you have a job? Are you just like, we're doing this because we feel like the Lord's on this? Yeah, like... um, you know, it's slightly complex, the story, but things at where we were at the time became a little um, messy. And I think looking forward, personally, I was kind of like, okay, where can I see myself be planted for the next 10, 20, 30 years? And I couldn't see the future where I was. And so we kind of just stepped out in faith. We had no job at the church or anything like that. It was just like, a faith step. I remember like walking into that church for the first time on a Sunday night. And I'm sure many people can relate to this, but like I came from an environment where all of my friends, all of my family, my community was so tight at my old church. Like my friends were like family to me and still are. And suddenly I'm like sitting, you know, in like the 20th row at church and we just got engaged and they say, turn around and say hi to someone. And I just turned around to this stranger and I said, I just got engaged. And they were like, cool, you know? And it was just like this harsh jump from like familiarity, um, home, and just to this brand new environment that I felt completely out of my depth and like I knew no one. And it was a really big, I would say ginormous for us at the time as young people, like ginormous faith step for us. Wow. And how long did it feel kind of wonky before you were like, I think I'm going to get involved here? I think, to be honest, I think probably years, but it slowly got better. So like we joined the, um, what do you call it? The welcome team. And we just stood on the doors. We knew no one, but we... We're like, okay, we'll just meet people by being on the doors at church. Yeah, we just tried to make the decisions that were harder. Like things like it's easier to rock up late to church because you don't have to talk to anyone. And and we tried to like get there a little before, awkwardly stand there in like the foyer to just talk to people and meet people because we, we desperately didn't want to just attend a church. We wanted to be part of a community. And you, you really found that, Hannah. Like you, you found an insane group of incredible people that, that are kind of your ride or dies. Yeah, 
I feel so grateful and so lucky. But yeah, it's it took years, years and years and years. I don't think it happened super quick. Yeah. How do you, I think when I think of Hillsong and I think of even then, how big and massive the church was and kind of this icon that it was, you come in new. Uh, when I when I think about that picture of people doing that, really when they, you, you've got a gift, you, you've been doing this gift at this other church, you know what your, what your, what your wheelhouse is, but then you, you're dropped into this entirely different space and you have to be patient in a kind of a bigger machine to actually even get noticed. How is that journey for you in trying to find your fit and trusting that God had a place for you there? Yeah, it, it was kind of, you know, it was painful to be honest. And I think part of that pain is like, you're dying to yourself. Like, I don't know, deep within, I guess, all human beings is this like craving to want to be, this is the wrong way to say it probably, but like successful or valued or like you're seen, you know, people see you as a person. And I think when it feels like that's up for question, it's an incredibly exposing feeling. Yeah, so it was really difficult, but there was this, I have to say that I did have an underlying confidence. Like I knew that God had his hand on my life. He always had from the very beginning when I first, you know, got saved. It was like, I could sense that this was not just about me. And so I did have this like underlying trust factor going on, but it was equally painful and difficult at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked to so many different people who they don't hang in, you know, like, like with something like that, especially when, when they're kind of like the little fish in a big pond, so to speak. It's, it's almost like COVID's made it this way a little bit too, where it's just like, if you don't fit, if you don't feel like you fit into the first Sunday, it's like, maybe this place isn't for me because nobody's really coming up to me and saying hello and nobody's doing this. And we, we can kind of throw it away really quick if it doesn't meet our need. There's something about you that I've really loved. And it's almost like this uh, this really beautiful loyalty that you have. And do you feel like that really played a part in you staying there? Because how long before you like were seeing that you had musical gifting and that you were on the worship team and that you were, you know, that, that some of your friends are some of the biggest leaders in, you know, in the, the, the church today. Like how patient did you have to be? How many years did you have to just wait? Yeah, I think it was years, years, like maybe a few years at least before I started really getting involved as a worship leader and certainly as a songwriter longer than that. Yeah. And probably the more frustrating part was the songwriting aspect because I felt this real passion to write songs for the church. And I and I was probably immature as well. So like I remember being in writing sessions with different pastors on team and someone would say, oh, I think that part could be better. And I'd, I'd feel so offended. Like, oh, and like, I just, I didn't have that grit and tenacity that I now have. It was like, I was, a frust- I was quite frustrated at times, but I do think there's that need for us to like lean into the discomfort of life sometimes. Like things are uncomfortable and we would be kidding ourselves to think that that wouldn't still happen today. Like that kind of stuff, of course, still goes on. Things are still like when it comes to 
timelines and the way you imagine things unfolding looking different to what it actually does yeah it still happens all the time like I'm 37 now I'm a mom and it's still hard sometimes to balance the personal expectations that you have about things and so I think like developing that muscle and that grit when it comes to like just the discomfort of life is such an important muscle to kind of activate and build yeah you know, I've noticed too, Hannah, that there has to be a level of us that are meant to be in some of these leadership positions in the church that carry a level of um, servanthood and understand the, the value of, of serving and um, loving, like even the value of volunteering, yes. quite honestly. Yes. Because I know that... that you know, Hillsong's a, a church of, of thousands of volunteers. You know, you know, I was on staff at Gateway for, for years. I think we had like, I don't know, anywhere from three to 5,000 volunteers, if not more, you know, just to, to, to make the church work the way it is. And there is an art in loving serving. Yeah. And, and understanding and identifying that Christ served first, you know. And if you don't have that, I think it's almost a fight all the way through if you don't carry that serving thing. Did you feel like you always had that? Did you know you had that kind of serviceability? I, I'm not really sure. I think like even in recent times, like just under a year ago, I officially um, resigned from my role on staff at the church. So after like 10 years or whatever, it just felt like the right time. And so now the, the months that have followed have been so sweet because I've been able to test that, like, cool, now I'm a volunteer again. And I get to like choose and like do, it's not like you have to do anything. It's you get to say, do I want to serve today? Like, and I've been like encouraged by the fact that like my heart still loves it. I love it. I love being with the people. I love the church and I love watching what God does through those people, that creative team and that group of people. I feel equally as passionate as I did during my years as a staff member. And I feel like that was just nice. It was nice to actually, because it's in theory, you're like, yeah, yeah, I would love it if I was a volunteer. But when you actually are again, and then you test it and discover that there's still that kind of passion for it, it feels, yeah. it feels good. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've never had, I guess in, in in younger years, when I would move to a different state and you'd start going to a different church, there I, I won't call it an expectation with me, but there is almost like a, oh, I want to serve. I want to serve on the worship team or I want to, you know, I want to do this or I want to help out in this area, usually in the area of worship. And there's something different when you reach that place where you you don't need to be on stage anymore and you don't have to walk up there anymore. And you're, there's almost like this massive freedom for me where I can walk into church and be like, I don't have to do anything for anybody. I don't have to be in this church and have them think that I'm going to want to try to be on the worship team or have them ask me to be on the worship team. I have the freedom to say, no, I'm great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just great. Just like being a normal human being, you know, going and, and then, and then feeling like, oh, you know what I'd really love to do is pass out bulletins. Yeah. 
you know? Yes. You know, or, yes. or like, can I work in the church nursery? Because I loved working in the church nursery, holding babies when I was, you know, a teenager. Yeah. So I think that there is a there is a refreshing kind of hiddenness mm-hmm. that is welcoming. When I yes. think about, you know, when I think about not being on a, in a in a staff position or being a worship leader that's well known in some sense to come in and be like, like whenever I go to church, it's never even a thought when we're when I'm home and we're we're down at the church. Our you know, my church, which is is that that we're attending is just full of all these like well known worship leaders. I'm like, I don't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. So it's really, really refreshing because you're still so young, though, and you just put out your new project. I want you to kind of talk if you can just take us through like the scenario of you then finally getting in this place where you're you're on the worship team and then you're writing songs and you're watching some some of your songs actually rise on the top of the charts with other people's voices kind of singing them Mm -hmm. and then how you find your own kind of place in your own voice in your own music and your own record yeah I mean it feels like I still can't believe that has transpired that project because again like as I mentioned before like I grew up being a guitarist in a band I have these memories of when like someone would point at me and be like okay just solo and I'd be I would die on the inside not because I couldn't do it I just don't love that aspect of playing. I'd, I'm just as happy in a room by myself, Yeah, you know, just playing music. I love it. But that kind of more performance side of things always has been and continues to be incredibly uncomfortable for me. I don't know why. But um, so, yeah, the thought of doing something like this has never been a huge, like, thing on my list of things to do. So then I would just come back to like just the power of songs. Like I have just fallen pretty much in love with like the, the joy of writing songs, yeah. crafting songs, watching them breathe life into a church, watching them minister to people. It's like one of the great joys of my life is getting to like play a part in writing these songs that encourage people in their faith and spur other believers on. And so... I guess we were kind of locked down here during 2020, 21, yeah, pretty, really, bad. Yeah. really intensely. And there were just a handful of really brilliant writers who were also stuck here, as in friends of mine. And so, yeah. like, we just wrote basically for a couple of years. And majority of the songs, no one's ever going to hear. But there were this, like, selection of songs that just existed at the end of those years that didn't have a home somewhere else that we felt still had a lot of life in them. And to be honest, our church was embracing these handful of songs. Like a lot of these songs we've been singing in our church for the better, probably over two years. And so my husband actually said to me at the beginning of 22, would you ever do a project? And I'm like, no. (laughs) And then he's like, if you did, what would it be? And I, I was just able to straight away say, well, if I did, it would be a live worship project. I mean, like many people, I feel like my life has just been marked by these like moments in the presence of God, you know, Sunday night services that went for hours because people didn't want to stop worshiping and summer camps as a teenager where, 
you know, the power goes out and no one cares because people just want to chase after the presence of God. Right. And here I am now, like, you know, like I say, a mom in my 30s, and I still crave that as much, if not more than ever. And so it was easy for me to say, yeah, like I just want to create like a night of worship and going after God. So that's kind of what we did. We had these songs, first of all, that just were ready to go. And then we had, um, like, you know, we shared a meal together. We invited 120 people. We cooked for them. We took communion together. Um, and then we kind of filed into this room and basically chased after God. And it was insane. It felt just like God was ministering to people. There were miracles. Like a girl had a long, an ongoing back issue that was healed. Another married couple, like, had been believing to buy a house for like 12 years. And the next day they signed on their first property out of nowhere, like just really huge breakthroughs for people and brokenheartedness, you know, finding healing for people who have been carrying that burden of a broken heart for years and years. And who were these 120 people, just like your core group of worshippers? Yeah, it was kind of just such a mixed bag. Like I literally just got on my phone and individually text whoever came to mind or heart. So it was all walks of life, all ages. Wow. It was, it was random. It was random, but it was cool. Yeah, so it, was, it felt really special. And you started that last year? Yeah, a year ago. And you would just get together. Would you record the, the worship that you were doing? It was, it was just one night. We only did it once. You yeah, only did it once. Yeah, and it was like... You know, our church has been through a very difficult 12 months and it was yeah. literally like this night happened and then the following week, everything kind of imploded. Yeah. So I don't know what that is. But so we sat with the project and went through like post-production and everything during the most unbelievable time within our community as well, which is crazy, but it felt like a year's gone by and now it's we've been able to share the project and people have been encouraged. But yeah, it was a it was a very wild series of events. Yeah, so talk me through that as a as a writer and an artist. Like you're you know, we were just talking about another friend of ours who did her live recording. There's a there's a there's a weight when when we feel called to do something, there's a weight that you carry, which is a responsibility. Yeah. To, to carry this vision that God's given you um, that, that kind of puts you in a place of, I mean, your, your voice is out there, your songs are out there, all, all the things that are about who you are out there, but there's a responsibility to do it. And it is really a, when it's done correctly, you should feel the weight of something. Yeah. Um, even in the chaos of it, which is, it doesn't surprise me that God sets up intercession and worship and hunger mm-hmm. before there's kind of this implosion of all of these things because it's mm-hmm. going to take a worshipful, hungry, you know, community to actually withstand some of the things that, that the enemy has planned for the church, you know, and everything we do. Yeah. How do you, how did you carry that weight of responsibility? You waited for a year to, to release the project. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're kind of carrying this thing for a year, not knowing what to do. I know that when we've talked, um, you know, I remember we were talking about names for it and what yeah, to yeah. name it and, and all these like different 
kind of in and out of seasons that you had to go through where you mm-hmm. finally then when you get when you get to it you have to kind of like hand it off yeah how was that for you in the handoff part of carrying it supervising it stewarding it you know feeling the weight of it doing it having the implosion occur and then actually still being finding trying to find grounding in not even knowing what what the church was going to look like after that what was going to happen i mean that's just a crazy season how have you actually been able to walk through all of that stuff and yeah come out the side (laughs) it's a good question um yeah i think like you know in its like beginning stages like it's inception or whatever you want to call it, when I felt like a piece about doing the project for the first time, yeah. from that, which was around that conversation with my husband, we did the live recording three weeks later. We turned it around like quick with an amazing team of people. But then of course, like the 12 months until it actually is shared, like you said, things blew up within our community. I know small compared to everything that was going on in the world, but for our close community, it it felt big and still does. And I think I had moments, you know, people talk about the creative process, like this is amazing. And then stage two is like, is it amazing? And then stage (laughs) stage three is like, this is actually the worst thing I've ever done. And stage four is like, I don't know who I am. I'm the worst. And then stage five is like, actually, no, I think it's good. And six is like, okay, we're back to the beginning again. Yeah, I think it was a bit like that. Like, you know, at, at its beginning stages, it felt like just this heart to worship and this heart to, um, honor God and believe that people would be refreshed by the songs and the project. And then it it went through its stages and I went through my stages, but then it felt so peaceful to finally share it because it was just returning to this place of like, God, like, I just give it to you. Like, cool. If 10 people hear it and then they um, are refreshed and encouraged and, you know, cool. That's cool. Like that we, we did our job. Like, and so it feels a little bit like leading worship or something like that, or when you speak a message and you just know you've got a mission for that service and you know you've got to share that word. And then when you finish, you can just walk away with a little bit of like an exhale because you're like, God, I know I was diligent with what you placed in my hands and now it's yours and I'm moving on kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. And when you came to the table to, when you have those people gather and you did this recording, you basically are saying that that the the COVID years were the writing years for that record, mm-hmm. where you were really cultivating those songs mm-hmm. within those 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 years, mm-hmm. and so the songs were ready, the songs were prime and ready to go. It was yeah. really the atmosphere and the timing of release yeah. of what you were doing. Now, did you do this under the guidelines of like Hillsong Worship, or were you doing this kind of under your own thing? Like we took it to our team and our leaders. Yeah. And I think for us, like our church at a broader level was kind of on pause in terms of releasing stuff because we had a lot and have a lot going on. And so there was that sense of, cool, we're just going to wait. And so it felt okay. Like I don't know that there would have been another time where it would have felt like it fit. Yeah. Because really, it's just a church project. Like, there's songs from our church, and 
um, songs that we were singing in our church. So it probably wouldn't have existed if not for that timing factor. But yeah, I did. I took it to our leaders at church and just brought it to them. I shared like my heart behind it. I was really grateful people felt like they could see it and understood it. And I think as well over time, hopefully I've been able to show what it is and what it isn't. You know, yes, it's like an artist type project. If that's what it has to be to share this with people, then cool, let's use that vessel. But really, I just hope it's... um, just a worshipful project for people so they, they can put their AirPods in. Right. What I thought was so profound about even your timing of releasing it and watching the videos, you know, some of the videos that you've been posting and listening to the project itself, there is this reminiscent innocence on it that is so characteristic of you because you carry such an innocence, a loyalty and a humility on what you do. But I felt like, You know, as I was listening to it, I thought this is such a beautiful thing within all of the, all of the stuff that's happened. It almost felt like a reset. Yeah. Like a reset back to what Hillsong has always been about Mm -hmm. and what the worship with Hillsong has always been about that drew us all in, in the beginning. And that was the simplicity of this, this corporate experience, these corporate songs that were these corporate experiences that we could say as individuals, um, you know, without feeling like we had to sing them in a, in a crowd. Yeah. That we could sing them in our kitchen sinks um, and feel the same weight of glory as we could when we went to church and we sang them in, in the church. And I, I feel like that's such a, um, such a prophetic thing that I felt like God was doing through you to almost reset the, the beauty of the worship at Hillsong, which, you know what, with, with all of the stuff that goes down in churches and all of our humanity that gets in the way and all the things that make it harder, it's really great to have those moments of reset, of remembrance, mm-hmm. of the innocence and the wonder and the purity and the humility and the simplicity of really what worship is and what worship brings to the table. And I just, that's the thing that struck me when you release this, I just was like, oh, this feels like such a, an innocent, beautiful reset to the, the beauty that is Hillsong worship, the beauty that's always been the essence there. And, I, and you've been there for so many years that I thought how fitting that a daughter, that a true daughter of the house could release this in this year, a year after kind of this, mm-hmm. you know, all of the, the transition and the, you know, the stuff that sometimes becomes the rumor of this or that or that, that it almost sometimes can leave a bad taste in people's mouth or a taste of like, what was that? What was that? And I just felt like, no, actually, I think to me, Hillsong worship has always been Hillsong worship. And there's always been something on it. In fact, this past weekend, I I had the privilege of meeting and sitting with Aiden King. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I'm kind of so silly because I don't, I don't know names. You know, I probably should know names, but I don't know names. And he got up there and sang with when when Anna was doing her live recording. He got up there and sang, and the moment he opened his mouth, I'm like, "Oh, that's who he is." <laughs> and but I was brought almost to like um, like this emotional place of in my age bracket of you know several years ago when the when when I first heard his voice on on one of those Young and Free records, and I 
was just brought to my knees in, in a season of my life in, in mothering and all these things where I felt so uncertain. And those songs, those young and free songs just made me feel like I was capable. It made me feel like it turned my focus back to, to Jesus. And I just sat there so grateful for the sound of his voice. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just the simplicity of, of the sound of his voice that it was, cause he's so distinct. Like his voice is so distinct. Yeah. But I do feel like that about you. I just, just encouraging people to, you know, to download if they could download your music, this record and, and just go back to really what church is all about, what, what worship in the church is all about. And the fact that you did it in such a beautiful way with the community, this community of people that you love. And that is another thing I'll say about Hillsong, your community is like no other community I've ever been. I've ever been like able to open a window and peek my, my face through it, you know, because it really is a beautiful community. How do you, you know, maybe even the question of, because you're, you're, you've come off staff, right? Yes, yes. What was your position? I was a worship pastor in the city campus in Sydney. Okay. And yeah. so you come, you came off that position and now you're just back to volunteering. Yeah. Yeah. And you came off that position because you felt like the Lord was like, it's time to, to step down. Yeah. And I think there were some really obvious emerging um, leaders who are brilliant at what they do. It just felt good. Yeah. It felt like a good time. And and then of course I was seeing on the horizon, like some other things like this project that I was going to sink my teeth into that kind of thing. So now are you, how would you like, because there, there are so many people, I mean, I, I went through the same thing with, with my church here in Franklin that I was so excited to, to, to move here and be a part of that ended up just in a very tough position where yeah. there was kind of this implosion. And honestly, I'd been around people and been around things like that that happened, but it never had like a stake in the ground, you know, yeah. and, and really, really fought for the leadership and the pastor, pastoring mm-hmm. there and stuff. And it's just, I realized how it shook me in my, it shook me in the, in the grounding of really what was church. Yes. And what does church really mean? And it, it, you know, it's, it's a, almost a year and a half later of, from, from my kind of um, uh, implosion here, but I feel myself almost in still floundering a bit, trying to find what, what I had, but wanting something to be totally different and then being like, well, I'm really not in a place for my needs. It's really my kid's needs. Let me just be in the season to just put my kid where he needs to be and that'll be it. How, how are you doing in that transition and how is it coming off staff and your role in support and your role in like even walking yourself through all that you've seen and all that's happened? Yeah, it's like, it's, it's big. It's really big. I think even, um, even right up until this week, like we've had a reasonably like in our community, a reasonably sure couple of months, like uneventful, which for us is like, Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and then even just in the last weekends, another kind of chaotic like thing has started to implode. And um and so yeah, I mean, you're talking about accepting that like the people I stand alongside in church are not the same people I stood alongside just two years ago. 
Some of my friends have moved on into new seasons, some of my best friends in the world. And so it's navigating friendships where life looks a little different now, but you still adore each other and you will always be closest friends, but also learning to respect each other's decisions and paths that they've taken. I would say like there's less of a sense for me personally at the moment, like I have all of these peers on a week to week basis. A lot of my peers are either dispersed across the planet or like kind of choosing different paths. Um, So like I see my responsibility as like just pouring into the next during this season, like the next kind of layer of leaders and younger people. Like tonight, I'll have, you know, 15 girls from church over to the house and we'll worship together, we'll pray, we'll read our Bibles together. Like, I feel like things like that are really pivotal, even for me at the moment, to just keep pouring out and keep sowing into um, people's lives as much as I can. But yeah, it's really unnerving, especially when so many close people that you love and close friends are really going through such distress. Like that is, it weighs on you. It weighs on you for the people that you love. And so, yeah, I don't know that I'm like nailing it, but I'm just trying to like, you know, take a week as it comes. I read my Bible every day. I like, (laughs) I pray, you know, I, for now I just keep showing up and, um, and seeking God along the way. So yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's a wild time. I don't know if that helps. Uh, you know, I, I, no, I think it's it's so good to, I think to honestly talk about the fact that those things are real and those things are there and that your, your really good friend's opinion of the thing may not be your opinion of the thing, but your yeah. responsibility isn't to carry their stuff or carry their opinion or defend their opinion, but to just walk alongside, continue to be friends with each other and comrades with each other and have each other's back and love each other well. And I think that does get lost in, in church um, earthquakes, Yeah, you know, where, where buildings are falling all over the place and some people are caught under the rubble and other people just leave the scene and never come back abruptly. And it really is, I think one of the most tender things for the Lord to watch to watch a church's foundation begin to fall for for nothing really other than just you know some of it's just it's just humanity right it's just our own humanity yeah. our own flesh our own lack of of in the moment really listening or leaning into the Lord or doing what we felt like the Lord said to do and missing missing the mark sometimes we just miss the yeah. mark and when there's more than five people involved and you know when a church when you can't have a potluck in a church anymore, and it's, you know, it it's, gets too big that it becomes a corporation, then that's just when the buildings start falling, yeah. it just gets messier and messier and messier. And I think it's important to talk about what Jesus thinks about those churches. Yeah. That when you go back and you talk to the Lord about, you must be so angry at this. And I've never, in fact, even asking the Lord about, you know, our kind of little church here that, I just am like, man, Lord, why would you even allow that to happen? And the Lord's like, it's really not about whether I allow it to happen. It really has to do with man. But ask me if I still love her. Yeah. Ask me if I still love the church. And that's always going to be his, his response. Ask me if I still love the church. Yeah. And, and his answer will always be like, yeah, I'm still writing back for her. No matter how messy she is, 
no matter how many people disappoint me in the process, I'm still writing back for her. And I still believe that you can be her. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I find. That's what I've actually really loved about, about you and Taya and Brooke and so many others, Cass and so many others that have been holding the pillars up of Hillsong worship in so many ways um, but you've done such an incredibly beautiful job at being the face of the true church and um, being the real church. And that's why I'm like, I'm always going to be such a big fan because you guys were the faces of my experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes so much sense. And so, like, I mean, sometimes, you know, you w- I do wish that's that people could see that side of our friendships and connections as well. Wow. Like, and like, like what we would have too, like whenever we get to spend time together, like, but that there's this authentic, like, for example, Cass, who, who has been our long-standing global worship pastor woman. Like, she's also the woman who, like, when, every time I have a baby, she like rocks up to the hospital, you know what I mean? Like, or she's, get you get gifts delivered to the house and like all the things that, you know, you're kind of needing during that new mom stage. Yeah. Like she's the real deal. Like we share meals together, we talk. She's the type of person who genuinely, if she says she's praying, she's really praying. Yeah. And like, I think amongst all of us, there is that sense of like a, a forging of, it sounds very cliche to say like fellowship, and like communion together and, you know, Brooke and Tay are out on the road now and every day we're like conscious of that and like for like praying over people, praying over them and praying over the people they're ministering to. And I think if I think about like, you know, the Bible and the early church, it's less, it looked less like a service in a building on a Sunday. It was like in a home, we meet together, we eat together, we pray together we walk together physically, yeah. we walk and we talk. Like, I think some of that stuff is so overlooked and it's the simple things in life. So overlooked. But it's, that to me is such a big part of church. That is ch- being the church. Well, and I think that's, a, that's what really changed me about the church is when I saw relationships like you guys have and how you have each other's back regardless of who's on what continent and who's on what tour and what, that there is a defined, like, we're not in this because of what we do. We're in this because of who we are and who we are becoming and that we're all in line together. That to me was profound. Even even when I came through in 19 and had the opportunity to just pop in after I was out on the Gold Coast and, and just... I was mesmerized by that. I was mesmerized that I was so well, well brought in. And so, and not, it wasn't just the treatment of it. It was the sisterhood of it. It was the camaraderie of it. It was, oh my gosh, almost like, like you had realized that, that somebody that was the same kind of fish that you were just walked in the building and everybody you know, play the game of telephone, but the lines were clear. You know, did you know that so-and-so was in the building? She's just like us. She loves just like us. And then I just was like pulled into this thing. And I, and for women to do that for me was kind of like, are you people crazy? (laughs) I remember, I remember that night I was like, 
like everyone's like, read us here, read us here. And I think that's the first time ever, I ever met you in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like all of our girls, it's a funny picture in my mind. It's making me laugh, but like we're sitting at your feet. You're yeah. like sitting there and then there's like 10 girls around you and you're telling yeah. stories and we're just like, <laughs> it was amazing. It was the best. It was almost, uh, unnerving is not the word because it was so beautiful that it was almost unraveling for me because I've never felt like someone wanted to hear my voice tell a story like all of you. Like there was this genuine pulling on, tell us the fishing stories that you have. Like it was almost like I was the fisherman that had came in and was like, man, I had this one great catch back off the coast. of, And you guys were all sitting there being like, what? Oh my gosh. And it was so genuine that it was almost provoking because you know, part of that is it's just not our, it's not our way in the States, but I also, I also don't think I've ever had or been around a community of people like that, that um, really actually understood the word community. And that's, that's one thing for me that will tell the greatest tale of what Hillsong Church has been, and that is community. And the way you guys have understood and done community to me, will be the thing that I remember more than anything else, you know? And it, it really does. It's like, I haven't, you know, we've talked about some stuff and, you know, we, we've, we can talk in depth about things that have gone on. But honestly, when I think of Hillsong Church and Hillsong Worship, I just end up smiling because of what it actually, what, what the face of it actually was for me. And that, I think, is what church is all about. That's, that's the bigger picture of what God wants us to, to see. And as worship leaders, I've never known more humble worship leaders, women worship leaders, than you, Brooke, Taya. I mean, half your, half your team there, the women of that team, just was like, blew me away. You know? And I think that just speaks volumes. I think it's why I love you so much, because you're kind of like the one that stayed. <laughs> <laughs> You know? Let's laugh about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's, yeah, which is so hard for you because you're the one that that's still there. I mean, and Brooke's back. Brooke's back there yeah. now too, but to yeah. focus on the family and stuff like that, which is so great. Yeah. But but you really stayed in the house and stayed on the platform and stayed, you know, pulling all the weeds out of the garden that you were tending and grabbing those girls at your house. And, yeah. and doing life and doing community because that's that's what you've been taught to do. Yeah, I think like when we, when you and I, I think hung out for the second time, it might've been the same year, but at the Women Who Worship camp. Yeah. And, you know, this is the first time I heard you speak about like, what do you burn for? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you said that you burn for courage, like yeah. to put courage in people. But then also like at the same time, that can be the thorn in your side, right? Like it goes both ways. Yeah. But for me, when, when I heard you say that, I was like, oh, I think I have that feeling as well about putting courage in people. Like I, yeah. I see you've done it so many times, even just for me, but I know for so many, so many people, it's insane. But seeing that in the flesh, it yeah. gives you like this like living, breathing example oh, this is possible. Like, and it's like a call. Yeah. It's like a calling that God places on us. And you, I, I wish you could see some of the girls that are leading worship in our church like week to week here. 
you would like you would fall over. You know, this like their heart for God, their what the hand of God on their life, and the guys too. Like there's just maybe people don't so much know their names yet, but they're better than like they're better than me. They're better than I really mean that. Like they're anointed, like full of authority, full of a heart for God, living lives like set apart for God. And it's really there's a lot that's incredibly rewarding in terms of witnessing that kind of thing go on in the church. So I feel like there's still so much to be hopeful about. Yeah, so much. I think that's such a good, I think that's such a good statement. There is still so much to be hopeful about mm-hmm. in the church. There is still so much to be hopeful about when if you find yourself in a season, even as a worship leader, where you feel like you're unseen, you don't matter nobody's picking you, you're not on, you know, you're not on anybody's list, you're not on anybody's radar, there's still hope, there's still something there, there's still something God is doing. And if we're just patient to let God do what he wants to do in his timing, then things will make so much more sense if we if we do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's so good, Hannah. I love it. I know. It's so good. (laughs) What are some of your, like, your personal dreams that you, like, feel like you would love to see that you feel comfortable sharing? Like, I I just, I want to see this. I want to see that. Oh, I, this, okay. Hmm. I mean, I want to see my kids, like, grow and discover their own relationship with God. I think like my, I've got two kids and we have a baby on the way. Yeah. <laughs> and um, like my son has just started school and I felt really strongly, like I didn't grow up going to Christian schools, but I felt, I, my husband and I felt like, oh, we really need to find the right school, like a Christian school. I, I think the world is a little crazier than it was even when I went to school. Yeah. And so anyway, it's been about two months since he started kindergarten. We call it, I don't know what everyone else calls it. And um, like he came home last week and he said, you know, mom, we read the Bible at school. And I go, cool. And he's like, can I get, can I have my own Bible? I want my own Bible. And I'm like, yeah, totally. So I get him this Bible and then that night he sits in his bed for like, he can't read yet, by the way, but he sits in his bed for an hour, just like looking at the pages and there's pictures in it, looking at the pictures. And I just kind of felt like, oh, this is like, this is maybe it's something that I've been believing for for a long time. Like just for him to have his own encounter with God. And it's still yeah. early days, right? He's six. But but I think for my kids, yeah, just I feel like the gift of my life is discovering like a relationship with God. I feel like it saved my life. And so I, I really dream about them having that same encounter with God in their own ways, hopefully. Yeah. And then like on a practical level, like we have a business. We, my husband has, he owns a gym and we're like attempting to like scale it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't go to the gym. I need to go to the gym. (laughs) That's hilarious. Is he like in the morning and goes to the gym? Every day of our lives. Um, and so he's like quite like visionary by nature, like entrepreneurial. 
it's absolute chaos. Life is chaos because there's always something going on. And But like at the moment, the last kind of year, we've been like stepping out, attempting to like scale the business. And yeah. it's always been a big dream of his heart. And um, so, yeah, I guess we're in startup phase on that side of things, which wow. is wild. And so, yeah, just... It feels good. It feels good. It feels like an exciting path, but it's like, oh, for anyone who's ever like pioneered something, it is chaos and it's all consuming and it's all the things. Like we talk every single day about the gym every day. And it's like, (laughs) so like that's a a thing we're believing for. See some just like, I guess, growth and reach there. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. There's a couple of songs. What about songwriting? Yeah, I feel like I haven't really written. Like I know there's been songs that, I mean, the goal is, I guess, always them breathing life into our church. But I feel like I we're just scratching the surface. Yeah. I think like that's that will be the thing of my life. The rest of my life, I hope, just like writing songs. Right. Writing songs that, um, I mean, how many songs have there been that have just like completely revolutionized our heart for God over the years, like delirious songs and like, yeah. like Ruben, Ruben songs, like, um, Lord, I give you my heart. Like, yes. are you serious? <laughs> or like, I think about the, like hungry, like they, that, I don't know who wrote it, but the Catherine Scott one, yeah. like just these songs that like define your life for a season. And I hope that I can keep writing songs or write more songs like that, that, that kind of mark a season of, people's walk with God and what's a, the the what's a favorite song God's given you that you just really love that you've written oh that you find yourself going back to and singing a lot oh I think probably this 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 song touch of heaven that I wrote with Aiden yeah it was it's not like the most perfect song or anything but it has like a affection yeah about it like a almost like a adoration feeling that like that feels like it fits like a glove that song like for me in my life like I would it would be my go-to when I'm by myself just yeah often playing that song yeah now who who's the favorite person that you love to write with in your circle probably it'd have to be it's not good to have favorites right but it (laughs) it would have to be um like Ben Fielding yeah He's he's great. He's great. Just like he just loves writing songs for the church. He loves yeah. it. And I think anytime we get to write together, I just am inspired. I feel like I'm writing with a giant and I learn yeah. a lot. I, I got to write with Ruben and Ben last week. And I was like, yeah. I was like nervous. Yeah. <laughs> because they're so like, like, you know, any chance to be around those guys. And of course, like Brooke. And I love to write with Ben Hastings, like everyone in the world, because he's so good. But yeah, I'd say probably in the last season, it's been Ben Fielding, which I feel super grateful for. Yeah, yeah. Because Ben's still there, right? He's still here in Sydney. Yeah, he's still here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But isn't Hastings is out here in the States, isn't he? Yeah, Yeah. he's in California. Yeah. A little bit harder there. Now, um, I just, I'm not going to say it, but I still find myself um, sometimes when it's quiet and then I, all of a sudden I start thinking, I just keep hearing the story of your songwriting 
that is one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. <laughs> Somebody's horrifying songwriter. <laughs> I find myself laughing and thinking there is no other songwriter that matches that songwriter. But yeah. you've got some humdingers, man. I, yeah, I feel like, you know, it's, it's dangerous territory to start telling details. But oh, yeah. let me tell you, I've been, I found myself in some shocking scenarios. Ooh, girl. <laughs> Man, I know I didn't even realize that there could be that kind of scenario until you start talking about your songwriting stories. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I've been into some couple like really hard ones, but nothing quite so scary. <laughs> For the sake of uh, keeping people's, you know, yeah. character, we won't say anything, but. Yeah, but we could just yeah. say this. Let's just say there, there was blood. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes, there was lots of it. That's hilarious. I mean, sometimes songwriting just costs you more than you think it does. Apparently so. That's the best. Well, Hannah, you are my favorite person. I love you to death. I, I'm i so excited for this new season of your life with this record. I'm so proud of you and this record. And I'm just proud of your... You know, it's a lot to put something like that out, especially almost a year later. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And the patience that it takes to do it, the strength and the stamina it takes to say yes to something like that, and then to wait after the dust settles. <laughs> and then to put it out. It's like, I am just so proud of you, along with everybody that loves and adores you. I'm proud of this new season two of your life being a, a mom again for the third time. Are we, are we saying, are we saying when the baby's due? Yeah. It's the baby's coming in August. Okay. I, so I told my daughter, I told my kids that we were having a baby and they were both happy, but my daughter is a, like, she's like my wild child. And she looks at me and she goes, if this baby is a boy, I will not love this baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at her and I'm like, it's a boy. And she cried like you would not oh, believe. God. She cried, she cried, she cried. And I'm like, this is off to a great start. Like, this is going to be great. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Oh, she'll probably be the biggest champion of this boy. Yeah, she'll be, she'll be fine when she adjusts. Are you ready for another boy? No. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm quite happy about it. I'm happy mm -hmm. to have a boy. I just don't think I'm quite ready for a baby. But I've got a few months. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> it's going to be great. Hopefully, hopefully, um, you and Mia's baby will be good friends. I know, right? Great. Yeah, because we got to see each other here on the Gold Coast. And I was so happy. She's always going to come back. I know. You know? It's, it's so good. I mean, maybe not to Sydney all the time, but you'll get no. to see her. Yes. But then you come here. I'm just kind of sad now because I'm like, can you get here before you have that baby? Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. Okay. I, need a, right. I need to message you to see if I can stay okay. over. <laughs> okay. Well, I love you. Thank you so much for being on here. Love you so much. Thank you. Yeah. It's yeah. fun to talk to you always. You are the best. Shout out to you and me, Media, for making this podcast available to all of you and your listening devices. Thank you so much for listening. I love that you guys are listening every week and that you comment and 
DM me about stuff, it really makes me feel like, oh, I think I'm doing something right. So um, anyway, thanks again for uh, joining the Reedy Stringer podcast. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye.